Victoria Street, third floor. That was the name, style, and abode of my morning visitor. I regret that I've kept you waiting, said I, sitting down in my library chair. You are fresh from a night journey, I understand, which is in itself a monotonous occupation. Oh, my night could not be called monotonous, said he, and laughed. He laughed very heartily with a high ringing note, leaning back in his chair and shaking his sides. All my medical instincts rose up against that laugh. Stop it, I cried. Pull yourself together. And I poured out some water from a carafe. It was useless, however. He was off in one of those hysterical outbursts which come upon a strong nature when some great crisis is over and gone. Presently he came to himself once more, very weary and pale-looking. I've been making a fool of myself, he gasped. Not at all. Drink this. I dashed some brandy into the water, and the colour began to come back to his bloodless cheeks. That's better, said he. And now, Doctor, perhaps you'd kindly attend to my thumb, or rather to the place where my thumb used to be. He unwound the handkerchief and held out his hand. It gave even my hardened nerves a shudder to look at it. There were four protruding fingers and a horrid red spongy surface where the thumb should have been. It had been hacked or torn right out from the roots. Good heavens, I cried. This is a terrible injury. It must have bled considerably. Yes, it did. I fainted when it was done, and I think that I must have been senseless for a long time. When I came to, I found that it was still bleeding, so I tied one end of my handkerchief very tightly round the wrist and braced it up with a twig. Excellent. You should have been a surgeon. It is a question of hydraulics, you see, and came within my own province. This has been done, said I, examining the wound, by a very heavy and sharp instrument. A thing like a cleaver, said he. An accident, I presume. By no means. What? A murderous attack? Very murderous indeed. You horrify me. I sponged the wound, cleaned it, dressed it, and finally covered it over with cotton wadding and carbolized bandages. He lay back without wincing, though he bit his lip from time to time. How is that? I asked when I'd finished. Capital. Between your brandy and your bandage I feel a new man. I was very weak, but I've had a good deal to go through. Perhaps you'd better not speak of the matter. It is evidently trying to your nerves. Oh, no, not now. I shall have to tell my tale to the police, but between ourselves, if it were not for the convincing evidence of this wound of mine, I should be surprised if they believed my statement, for it is a very extraordinary one, and I have not much in the way of proof with which to back it up. And even if they believe me, the clues which I can give them are so vague that it is a question whether justice will be done. Ah, cried I, if it is anything in the nature of a problem which you desire to see solved, I should strongly recommend you to come to my friend, Mr. Sherlock Holmes before you go to the official police. Oh, I've heard of that fellow, answered my visitor, and I should be very glad if he would take the matter up, though of course I must use the official police as well. Would you give me an introduction to him? I'll do better. I'll take you round to him myself. I should be immensely obliged to you. We'll call a cab and go together. We shall just be in time to have a little breakfast with him. Do you feel equal to it? Yes. I shall not feel easy until I've told my story. Then my servant will call a cab, and I shall be with you in an instant. I rushed upstairs, explained the matter shortly to my wife, and in five minutes was inside a hansom driving with my new acquaintance to Baker Street. 
Sherlock Holmes was, as I expected, lounging about his sitting-room in his dressing-gown, reading the agony column of the Times, and smoking his before-breakfast pipe, which was composed of all the plugs and dottles left from his smokes of the day before, all carefully dried and collected on the corner of the mantelpiece. He received us in his quietly genial fashion, ordered fresh rashers and eggs, and joined us in a hearty meal. When it was concluded, he settled our new acquaintance upon the sofa, placed a pillow beneath his head, and laid a glass of brandy and water within his reach. "'It is easy to see that your experience has been no common one, Mr. Hatherley,' said he. "'Pray lie down there and make yourself absolutely at home. Tell us what you can, but stop when you are tired and keep up your strength with a little stimulant.' "'Thank you,' said my patient. "'But I have felt another man since the doctor bandaged me, "'and I think that your breakfast has completed the cure. "'I shall take up as little of your valuable time as possible, "'so I shall start at once upon my peculiar experiences.' "'Holmes sat in his big armchair with the weary...